This is from Romans chapter 7. I'll begin with verse 21 for us. Paul says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. That's God's word. I'd like to ask you as we start here to, uh, to think of an example of a time in your life when you were heartbroken. Okay? So we can complete this sentence. When something happened, fill in the blank however you want, when, when this happened, I was heartbroken. And then this is what I did with my life. Uh, and, and so maybe some of you will think about very serious examples. Um, a, a family member, a loved one passing, a, a divorce, um, a child, you know, struggle, something like that. Uh, very serious examples. And maybe what happened in your life, and so you fill in the blank at the end where, where this happened, you'd say, I laid on the couch for days and I cried. Um, or I, I had to quit my job. Uh, or I, I really struggled to get along with people. I, I've got a very lighthearted example, relatively speaking, and I'll tell you this happened after I was 21, so don't hold anything against me there. Um, mine would be when I spilled beer on my computer, I was heartbroken. Uh, because it was a new computer. And uh, I was sitting in my chair one day, you know, working, and I had a kid sitting on my lap. Don't ever try to work on the, your computer with a kid sitting on your lap if there's a beer nearby. And they went, and the beer went that way, and then the top went that way, and the computer was there. And yeah, I fried my computer. Uh, brand new, you know, $2,000 computer. Whew, that was very sad. And, and what I did is I was both angry and, uh, and quite disappointed for quite a long time. Uh, especially because for the next three years after that, I still had to use the computer, and so I just plugged an external keyboard in, and everywhere I went with this computer, I had to, what's the point of having a laptop if you have to carry another keyboard around with you, right? Uh, so that was my life for three years. That, that's, that's an example of what happens when our hearts get broken. What happens is heartbreak hinders our living, right? It holds us back. Uh, on the flip side, of course, now let's think about a, a more positive example. When something happened in my life, when XYZ happened in my life, then my heart was whole and healthy and well, and I flourished. And maybe you fill in that blank, you say, when I got a new job, I was happy, and my heart was healthy and well, and I, I, I really climbed the ladder fast. Uh, when I got married, then my heart was happy and healthy and well, and I, uh, what? I don't know. I loved everybody around me. Whatever you want to fill in there. The example I would give you is, is from a man named St. Augustine, and he's a very famous example. I don't know if you've ever heard of, of Augustine. He's one of the most important Christian fathers in the church. He lived in the late 300s and the early 400s. St. Augustine is important because he was, he was an absolutely brilliant man. Um, but when he was a young man, he lived a very indulgent life. He did whatever he wanted because he thought by living however he wanted, he would be able to become the person that he really thought he should be. Uh, so he, he, he was very promiscuous, very sexually immoral. He, was, uh, he loved to drink, he, 
uh, drunkard, and, and all of these other things. He was excessive, okay, as much as you can imagine. This is St. Augustine. And yet, when he hit his conversion in 396, and that's an interesting story if you ever want to study it, what happened is he changed radically. Uh, he wrote, after that point, two of the most important and most famous books in Western literature. If you read uh, you know, a, a top 50 list of important books, uh, even in secular literature, they're going to list these two books. One of them would be Augustine's Confessions, and the other one is called The City of God. And what happened in Augustine is, is that he said, and he re reflected back on his time, he said, My, our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. Have you ever heard that line before? This is a famous line from Augustine. Our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. And he was talking about his younger years, and he, he said, I thought that I was becoming the person that I wanted to be when I lived however I wanted, when I was sexually immoral and I drunk, drank a lot, I did all of these things. Really what was going on is my heart was restless. I was looking for a place to find rest. And I was looking everywhere else but the one place where we can really find rest. And when he found his rest in his Savior, Jesus Christ, then he flourished. He wrote these two incredibly famous books, uh, that one of which defended how God could still love people even if Jerusalem was destroyed. And essentially the reason why Christianity, one of the reasons why Christianity can still be prevalent in America today is because of what he wrote. The point is simple, that when our hearts are whole, we flourish, we live well, we do great things for this world. But when our hearts are broken, that hinders our living. We don't live the way we wanted to. And so God invites you today to have a whole heart. Now, it's not going to look exactly what you might imagine. It's not going to be in the way that, that you might expect. So just know that from the very start. But God invites you to have a whole heart. This comes up most often for me when I have conversations with people about, uh, about sexuality, actually. Um, most often, right, people, are, we're talking about various sexual activities, and, and people say, oh, I assume you're against that. And I say, well, sort of, but it's probably not like what you imagine. I believe that in the scriptures in the Bible, God tells us that what the gospel is trying to do for us is, is heal our hearts. God wants us to love what's good. He's the highest good. That's the first thing that we ought to love. And beyond that, we should love the people around us. And, and you can only do that if you have a message that sets you free from everything around you. Uh, and when you are, are busy trying to find your own good in whatever sexual life that you think is, is the right thing, you're missing the highest good. You're missing the true good. You, you can't get satisfied out of that. And I've had that conversation with a lot of different individuals, and they say, I never thought of that before. You know, when I run into Christians, usually what I hear is, that's a sin because it's the wrong thing to do. They never get the message that God wants good for their heart, the highest good out of their heart. And that's what the Christian gospel is supposed to give them. It's what's in your heart that matters most. That's what God is saying. Now, that's a simple point, 
We can find that all over the Bible. Jesus, one time when he is asked by the religious leaders, what's the greatest commandment? He doesn't say, be a good person. He doesn't say, keep the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say, don't kill people. He says, love the Lord your God with your whole heart and your strength and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The highest good is what's in your heart. That's what's most important. When Jesus explains where evil in this world comes from, he doesn't say it's out there. He says it, it comes out of your heart. This is, this is an important thing that he's trying to tell us. Americans, when we think about our hearts, we tend to think about our emotions. Right? Um, that's where I feel. I feel happy. I feel sad. I love people. Those things. Uh, when the Bible says your heart, well, sometimes it says you think with your heart. Do you ever say you think with your heart? If you do... You're, uh, you're, you're not so American, you're more Christian, you're more biblical than I am. Um, the Bible says that we, we plan with our hearts. Do you plan with your hearts? I had to plan my trip up to Hopkins today. I, I did not plan with my heart, I, I planned with my brain. I said, I'm going to drive that road and that road and that road. Um, you know, the Bible says that we, we have our convictions in our hearts, the things that are most important for us. I, I believe family is important, right? That, that's in our hearts. Well, that's, that's not how I think. I, as American, I tend to think, oh, that's my feelings, that's all... But when the Bible says your heart, it means all of you. It means everything that you are, your, your whole person. What's in your whole person is, is the most important. And thus, this, this is probably shocking to somebody, some of us. Because most of us think the basic message of the Bible is follow the rules. right? Be a good person. I, I just asked people that the other day, and that's the answer I got back. And that makes a lot of sense. When we see that Jesus, he comes back, he tells a story about coming back at the end of the world. He says, all right, what you did for the others, do, you did unto me. Uh, and, and so one of our famous creeds even says that God will return to judge each according to what he's done. Over and over, there seem to be passages in the Bible that tell us it's what you do that matters. And, and so I understand why many people think that the main message of the Bible is do good, follow the rules, obey the rules. But this is why Martin Luther said that we're saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. Because it's what's in your heart that is the most important, since what's in your heart shows up in your lives. You've probably seen that. What's in your heart shows up in your lives. That's why God can say that he's going to judge us based on what we do, since what we do comes out of who we are. So what's in your heart? What's in your heart? Good things, bad things? Paul, this morning, in uh, this section from Romans chapter 7, he says this. Right? He said, In my inner being, who I am, I delight in God's law, but I also see another work law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So you can hear Paul, he says, we've got all these laws. He actually lists four laws there, waging war at a, in us, working in us. Um, it, it's a pretty brutal picture, isn't it? It sounds like there's this war going on inside of my heart. 
like World War II almost. You know, sometimes people will use uh, the, the image of a good angel and a bad demon sitting on your shoulders to, to talk about the banter that goes on inside your life. And I think we've all probably seen that picture before. But, you know, when I read what Paul says here, this doesn't sound like a little bit of friendly banter between a good angel and a bad demon. This sounds more like a couple of street cats fighting in the back alley. Uh, have you ever seen street cats fight in the back alley? That, that's what's going on in, in your heart. Paul is saying. I think to get what Paul is picturing for us here, it helps us to know or to maybe look at the the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Or if you're uh, more uh, on the younger side, to look at Bruce Banner, Dr. Bruce Banner, and the Incredible Hulk. Everybody know those stories? At least one of the two of them. You either know Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or, or Dr. Banner and the Incredible Hulk. Right? On the one side, we've got the good doctor, very proper. Uh, Dr. Jekyll is a, a fine, upstanding citizen, and he's a very good man. He's, he's got great character. He's figured out his task in life, how to save himself and how to save others. He's great at it. Um, and, but Dr. Banner is the same. He, he knows his work in life is, is how to save people. In fact, when he can't figure out how to control his rage quite right, he says, I moved on. I focused on helping other people. I was good. Right? So there's, there's the one side of the law that shows up in us. He is a good guy. On the other side, you've got Mr. Hyde, or the Incredible Hulk. It, it, the, the Hulk is not the best picture, okay? So you've got to think more of, of Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is a very self-indulgent person. He thinks that the way to be the best in life is to be filled with rage uh, and, and to do whatever he wants. And, and if you've ever read this famous story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is a terrible person. He, he runs around and he, he, he kills people. Uh, he, is, he is sexually adulterous with anybody he wants. And he tells lies constantly. And he feels absolutely no remorse about any of that. And see, what Paul is saying then is that all of that is going on in you. That's the war that's going on in you. It's not that there's, there's one good and that there's one bad. It's that there are two laws, there's two principles at work in, in your life all the time. One where you're constantly fighting to prove how good you are by restraining and controlling yourself. And the other one where you're trying to indulge yourself and become the best person you possibly can be. Both of those laws, those are at work fighting in you all the time. And it's no wonder then that, that Dr. Jekyll, when he sees what's going on, he says, I knew myself to be more wicked, tenfold more wicked, sold a slave to my original evil. There's this intense battle in our hearts. You know, sometimes people will say, I just feel empty. I feel really empty and dead on the inside. And maybe they're not even that busy in life with work and everything. Ever thought about why they say that? You know what they're saying? They're, they're saying that there's this huge battle always going on in their hearts. And it sucks the life out of you. It, it will kill you. There's a battle to, to restrain yourself and, and do what's right. And there's the battle to, to indulge yourself so you can be who you want to be. And that will kill you. It'll wear you out. 
But when you see what's going on in your heart, when you see that battle, that will change the way you see the cross and the grave. When you look at the cross, what do you see there? I see a, a man who lived with a whole heart his whole life. Jesus w- never had a battle in his heart the day, any day of his life. He lived with a whole heart his, every day. Uh, and, and you can see this. He says things like, here I am, I have come to do your will. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. And he says, zeal for your house will consume me. His whole heart was invested in God's mission. And then when he gets to the cross, what happens? Isaiah tells us, he says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. You know what Isaiah is saying there? What Isaiah is saying is that Jesus became Mr. Hyde and the Incredible Hulk for us. He became that abhorrent, that despised, that, that completely ugly feature and picture that nobody wants to see. And it happened, you can tell, because all of the people who walked by, they despised him and they mocked him. In another place, Paul himself, he says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Now, you know what they, he's saying there? He's not saying that Jesus was just thought of as a sinner. He's saying that Jesus himself actually became like sin. He was the face of sin itself to us. He was so ugly and and despicable that like Mr. Hyde or, or the Incredible Hulk, people who came by were like, oh, that's gross. They freak out at him. They don't want anything to do with him because it's so revolting. It's so awful. Why is that happening? Because there's a battle going on right there at the cross. Right? God has made him who had no sin to be sin. And God hates sin. So there's this, there's this battle going on right there. God has made the punishment for all of that sin and his wrath fall on that. And that's a terrible thing to have to see. It's horrible. Do you believe that? That Jesus did that battle on the cross? Do you believe that? When when Paul here in these verses asks, who can save me from this body subject to death? What's your answer? If your answer is, you know, I've, I've been a Lutheran for my life. I think the Lutheran religion is pretty right and I'm doing a, I'm doing a pretty good job. You know, I, I do a decent job. I'm behaving decently. What you're saying is, this battle, I can handle it. I can control it. I can win the battle. I'm doing a pretty good job at this fight, and I don't need somebody else to fight it for me. I can win this fight. But if your answer to the question is, who can save me from this body subject to death, and and your only answer is, is Jesus, And what you're saying is that he became sin for you. That is, your battle became his battle. Your fight became his fight. Your war became his war. He took the battle for you. And if you've ever felt this 
this war and you've said to yourself, I feel so exhausted, I feel so dead. And you say, the only person who can win this battle for me is Jesus. Then you're giving that battle up for him to fight for you. That's what Jesus says to Thomas. You heard those words this morning, peace be with you. In the Hebrew, peace is not serenity. It's not sitting on a lake on a nice, beautiful Saturday morning and, and, and fishing. In the Hebrew, peace is wholeness. It's what's broken getting put back together. And what Peter, Jesus says to Thomas, when he says, peace be with you, he says, your broken heart that's been beaten up by sin and all of the fighting, the battle that goes on into, in, within it, I'm putting it back together. Because when I take the fight, when I fight the battle for you, then you can live with a whole heart. So here's what God asks you and I to do this morning. Let Jesus fight the battle of your heart. This last week, somebody uh, told me and, and said I could pass it on a little bit, said that for more than 20 years, this person has carried along regret and guilt because of a conflict, a battle with an employee many, many years ago. Right? That's 20 years of, of a battle going on in that person's heart. And yet when Easter came this year, for whatever reason, when they saw the cross, they saw there a battle that had been won for them, and forgiveness became real and true once again. Here's what I think we should all do. I think we should imagine that our, our hearts are broken, fractured by the battle that's taking, that has taken place in them. And I want you to write down the battle of your heart. What's the battle going on in your heart? Is it, I want to love my kids and do what's right to take care of them, but I feel that they don't respect me, and so I, I get angry all the time? Is it, I want to desperately love and take care of my spouse, but at the same time, I feel like my spouse, you know, they, they can't do enough for me, and I, I feel empty and broken in the side? What's the battle of your heart? And put that down. And then let your heart get put back together. Because the stain of war will last the pain of war will hang around for a little while. As Paul said at the very end, we'll still be slaves of our minds and slaves of sin. But when you let Jesus fight the battle for you, then you can live with a whole heart. Right? So let Jesus fight the war and live with a whole heart. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, too often when we, we walk through life, we live with a very broken heart. A broken and mauled heart that's been beat up by, by the law of sin, the law of God. All of these demands placed on us and we, we don't know how to carry around these, this war that's raging within us. Whether we're going through tough times with our family, conflict with our work, 
where the battle takes place is first and foremost in our hearts, not outside us. And so we ask that you would give us that word that you gave to Thomas. Peace be with you. Fight the battle for us so that our hearts can be whole again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.